Blog Talk Radio. With Goldie being a cardinal and a hole in center field, MLB free agency is getting ready to take off, and the Diamondbacks front office is getting ready for the 2019 season. Hello, Diamondback Nation. Welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. I'm your host, Blake, joined by my co-host, Chris. Uh, we got a lot planned for today. We got an hour-long show. And real quick, if you want to call in and talk to us, the number is 845-277-9345. Again, that's 845-277-9345. So real quick, uh, before we start, we're just going to introduce ourselves real quick um, and just talk about us personally. So my name is Blake. Um, I've been I've grown up in Arizona since I was three, and you know I've been, always been a huge sports fan. But ever since you know around 2015 or 2016, I've been really into the Diamondbacks um, more so than really any other um, Arizona team than the Cardinals or the Suns because you know I think baseball is just a lot more of a complex game. is a lot more it's a lot more um, fun to dive into and be a fan of. Um, yeah, and so and, uh, I run my own Instagram page. Um, for the Diamondbacks, um, and you know I've had a lot of fun on that. Uh, and Chris, if you want to introduce yourself right here. Um. Yeah. Sure. Um. I'm Chris. I've been a Diamondback fan as long as I can remember. They've always been my team, and I'm super excited to start this podcast and get it going. And I can't wait to start hosting with you. Yeah. You too. Uh Yeah. It, it, Rattle up is gonna be a pretty fun. Uh pretty fun time for everyone because you know we can interact with the audience everything um some of my best moments I've ever had as a Diamondbacks fan well I actually went to the wild card game in uh, 2017 and that was probably the best sporting event I've ever gone to just the, the just the everyone was just going crazy especially when Archie Bradley hit that triple and you know that that's really what drew me towards you know like carrying my uh my Instagram page on and and you'll know, be still being a fan yeah, cool. Uh, Chris, what was your what? What do you think your uh, best moment is as a fan? Uh, just last season, coming out of nowhere to make a make the playoffs and winning the wild card, and it kind of stunk that we got uh, swept by the Dodgers, but it was still cool to be in the playoffs. Yeah, he's coming out of 2017. That that team had no expectations really. I mean, 2016, the years prior, there was just I mean. Um, yeah, 2016 and prior, the, the Diamondbacks were one of the bottom teams in the league, and to have 2017 where you had 93 wins, which you know that, that was that was insane, and just watching it, how how um, how we were just winning games, we had like a 13 game winning streak, and like uh, I think we swept the Dodgers a couple times in there, it was it was amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, anyway, we're gonna um, get on here to our first. Um, little segment we're going to be going to our mailbag question so if Benton could read us off a question real quick yeah our first question is from Hunter should we trade Robbie Ray yeah okay uh Mike Hazen has already said that he's not going to trade Robbie Ray unless his unless the uh the return package is you know substantial or the team overpays a lot but 
Um, I'm pretty sure Robbie Ray is a free, is a, you know, a free agent after this next season. So if we could get is as, long, as much prospect as possible as the teams are going into a rebuilding year, um, I think that'd be worth it if we can get a nice high-level high high level prospect because Robbie Ray is one of the best lefties in the game. I mean, I just look up his, his 2017 season right here real quick. I mean, it, it was – he had a – where is he? Yeah, he had a – he had a 3.72 ERA in 162 innings pitched, and he had a strikeouts running of a 12.1. He was an all-star, finished seventh in Cy Young voting. So he's obviously got a lot of potential when his control is on point. He's just really, he's just electric and untouchable. So I think a team would definitely want him. But the market for lefties isn't as, isn't as great as it was because there was a lot of lefties this offseason in free agency, and there kind of still are. So I don't know if that return package would be that great. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're gonna trade him. I think that he's young. He's only 26. I don't know when his birthday is, so he might be 27 right by now. But I think that he's not gonna be extremely sought after by many teams. So uh, I think that they might be able to re-sign him, and they might want to re-sign him to keep one of their young pitchers and keep one of their players here. But I don't really. I I think that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, especially um yeah, Gio Gonzalez, another lefty, hasn't gotten really any attention at all, so, and and he's lefty too, so I don't think there'll be a lot of demand. Uh, can we go to the next question, please? Yeah, it's from Daily Sports Source. What's your record prediction for the D-backs? Record prediction. Well, I think there's really two ways you can go with this because uh, I'll talk. I'm gonna talk about this more in depth later, but I think the Diamondbacks are gonna try to be competitive for the first half, and if that doesn't work, they're either gonna rebuild and tank and trade off all the pieces of the deadline or they're going to make a push. So I, if I had to predict, I would say somewhere right around below 500, maybe, you know, 70, high 70 wins or low, low 80, something like that. I think they'll, they're still a competitive team and, and they'll make a somewhat decent push for the playoffs, but I highly doubt they're going to make it. But, you know, they, they could prove, prove me wrong too. Yeah, we didn't think they were going to make the playoffs in 2017. But then again, I don't think they have any chance because they've lost so many parts of that team. But uh, I don't think they're going to win many games. I think maybe 70 to 80 games. It depends what they do the rest of free agency to fill in spots or if they trade a bunch of people. But that's what I think. Yeah, for sure. Next question. From Dan, will the D-backs trade Granky before the deadline? Ooh, yeah. So, Granky is of course making about thirty something million dollars, and uh, as a deadline trade, I just don't think a team would really want to. I mean, unless it's a team like the Yankees, but they already have enough starting pitching. I don't think there's really any teams. Um, I don't think it's really any teams that would want to have Granky or you know are in the position to take take on that contract. Um, but it's yeah, I, I highly doubt. It. I think I think. Um, Mike Hazen and Tori Lavello are pretty stuck up, stuck up on keeping, uh, you know, on, on keeping him in the uh, keeping him on on the D-backs. Um, yeah, I I agree. I don't think anyone's gonna want him. He's making a lot of money. He still has a few years left, and he's 35. So unless he has a year next year that's Cy Young worthy, I don't think anyone's gonna think he's worth the prospects and taking on that contract. Yeah, for sure. Next question. All right, this one is from Sean. With Goldie gone, how do you think the D-backs are going to play this season? 
Yeah. So again, I there's they still are going to be comp- a competitive team um, because you you still have pretty much all the pieces except for maybe AJ Pollock is probably going to leave, but he was injured for a lot of the year last year anyway. Um, because but you have a lot of uprising guys like you have Eduardo Escobar who you're going to have for a full season now. Um, you, and you have some young stars like Nick Ahmed and Cattell Marte. Jake Lamb hopefully is going to have a bounce back season. Um, and you'll you still have David Peralta, who I think he'll aggress a little bit. But yeah, I, I think around that you know seventy to eighty win range is, is something that can, you know I think that's solid. They're not going to be a terrible team. Like they definitely have a lot of talent, but they're not going to be you know like contending to win the NL West. I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear the question that time. What With was it? Goldie gone, how do you think the D-backs are going to play this season? Oh uh, well, um, I think that they're not going to be as good because, of course, Goldie is such a big piece and he helped bring a lot of uh, a lot to the fans and I'm sure to the other players playing with such a great player, but I think they'll be 70-80 wins just because they don't really have enough to win much more than that against the Dodgers and the Rockies. Yeah, for sure. Next question. This is from Nathan. How will the rotation work without Corbin? Yeah, so the D-backs did actually sign a couple, or they acquired a couple of starters this off season. So you still are going are to have Grinky, Godley. Um, I don't know when Taiwan Walker's coming back, but I'm sure he'll join the rotation some point uh, next year. Um, and then you have, you know, still have Robbie Ray, and then you have a couple of guys. You have Luke Weaver and Merrill Kelly, who they signed out of Korea. So we definitely have at least five starters on the roster. Um, and you also have guys, you know, guys like Matt Cook and Braden Shipley that you, they, we could use. Um, that we could use if we needed to. But yeah. Um, Shelby Miller's a free agent, right? Uh, yeah, they non-tendered him, so yeah, we're not going to have him anymore. Oh yeah, that's that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Okay. Um, I think that they they have a lot of starters that could potentially fill Corbin's spot. That would be the fifth starter. But I don't really know. I ha- I haven't seen much about Weaver or Kelly, but I definitely think it's going to be one of them. And uh, I don't really – I don't know what they're going to do. It might depend on how they do in spring training. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we're going to kick it to – Oh, last question. Talker dude. Is Goldie any good coming from a Cards fan? Yeah, so this will actually lead – Good, right, right into our next segment. Um, Goldie is a very good player. I mean, his, his stats last year were a little bit of a regression, but you see how he did in April and May, and how just I'm going to say it, how terrible he was. I mean, he was batting low 200s, and he was, I mean, he was he was not looking you know good at all. He was just missing fastballs of the middle, and then he turned around. I think he won Player of the Month in June, and he just uh, and you know he still had a very respectable stat line. I think he was yeah he was an All Star too. He batted third in the All Star game. So I I mean he's definitely a, a, a easily a top three first baseman in the league, maybe top two and arguably the best. Yeah, he's he's very good. He's one of he's definitely one of the best players that we've had recently. And uh, he may not start seasons well, or sometimes he doesn't end them well, but he always does good and benefits the team. Last year, he started off the season terrible and then finished hitting 290, which isn't bad. And uh, I think that Goldie is definitely a good player. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to lead us into our first segment. Um, it's just going to be talking about the Paul Goldschmidt trade. 
Um, obviously, it was a huge shock to Diamondbacks fans because Goldie's been, Goldie's been, you know, the face of the franchise for so many years. But the uh, the Diamondbacks did make a trade um, with with the Cardinals, and they got three pretty good pieces uh, in return. Um, yeah, this was on December fifth, so they got uh, two major league uh, level players in Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly. One of them, Luke Weaver, is a, is a right-handed pitcher, and uh, Carson Kelly is a catcher. And they also got a minor league infielder named Andy Young. He's 24. So uh, there's definitely some solid pieces in there. You know, and they Luke also Weaver got has, the uh, draft pick. Oh, and they got a, com- a compensatory draft pick, which or, or a competitive something. Yeah, and that that'll be nice yeah. because that's, I think it's high round. Um, yeah. Yeah, you got you got some definitely some good pieces there. Um, it wasn't the return wasn't as big because you know, because it was only a one year like rental, but you know Luke Weaver, although he struggled last year, he definitely has some potential, and I think he'd be a solid mid level starter. Um, Carson Kelly is a great defensive catcher. Um, in 2017, he threw out 45 percent of runners, which is a really high rate. Um, uh, his bat is obviously very underdeveloped, but he's had barely any major league playing time. So if he can just get a decent amount of playing time, you know, probably splitting a couple other catchers um, yeah. on the roster. He could definitely turn out. And then Andy Young, he's 24. I don't um, know much about him, but I heard from some guys that he's good. Um, and just looking at his stats in general, I mean, he's around a 300 hitter in double A and high A. So, uh, you know, he could be a somewhat decent contributor maybe if it, if it, if it pans out. Yeah, and Kelly and Weaver, their stats don't look great. But then again, they've had – partial seasons over a few years where they've played maybe three or four games and then got back down and switched between. So they haven't had much time, but I'm sure they'll get better when they spend more time in the majors. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of not so happy about it when Goldie first got traded, but after looking at it, it, it's not the most terrible return because Kelly and Weaver are very young and, you know, that they can definitely be good in the future. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think the Goldie trade right now, it doesn't look that good, but I think it'll pan out in the future, especially if we're going to rebuild. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that will um, – that, that's about going to wrap up our first segment. we got a, about 20 seconds here left, so, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly will definitely be on the roster next year. I think Weaver will definitely be in the bullpen. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be uh, solid players. Yeah, them, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Oh, and real okay, quick, yeah. we're going to play we're gonna... Uh, an audio clip. Oh, yeah, Chris, you got it. Um, we're going to go to an audio clip of what Goldie said in his Cardinals press conference. Of course, that's where all the focus is. Uh, really, my whole career, that's where it's been. It's about the team. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You want to win that championship. And, you know, got a couple chances to play in the playoffs over my career. And there's nothing better than that. Those are my fondest memories with the Diamondbacks. It's probably my one regret that we couldn't, you know, bring a championship to Arizona while I was there. Um but, I mean, 100%. That's why you work so hard in the off season. That's why um, this whole organization has been working from probably the second last season ended to, you know, try to make this team better. 
Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also the producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you guys tune in to Bucko Booth, 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday morning. We're going to be discussing all things Pirates offseason in our first baseball podcast network episode. We'll be sure to discuss a Troy Tulowitzki signing from the Yankees and what that means for Neil Huntington and the crew going forward as they search for a new shortstop as Jordy Mercer has departed for the Detroit Tigers. We're going to be talking about potential trades with the San Francisco Giants, maybe get Brandon Crawford to help out at shortstop position, and what it would take to bring the Pirate Killer to Pittsburgh. And we're going to be discussing the Pirates' recent signing of left-handed pitcher and former Cardinal Tyler Lyons. All this and much more on Bucka Booth. Remember, this Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern, you don't want to miss it. And as always, let's go Bucks. All right. Uh, now working into our second segment, we're going to be talking about this, the Major League Baseball free agent market as a whole. Because as we know, this you know, free agent class is headlined by two, uh, you know, by, by two superstars, and, and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And they still got unsigned, and... You know, there's been a lot of rumors. I think it's it's been boiling down to you know uh, White Sox, Phillies, Yankees, and for at least Harper for the the Dodgers. Um, but yeah, there's really no solid news of of where anyone is gonna go um, so far. So Chris, real quick, where do you think or what what is your like what's your like initial thought of where like Harper Machado will end up signing? Um, I believe that Harper is gonna sign with the Phillies, and I think Machado is going to the White Sox. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, the White Sox recently just made a formal offer to Manny Machado, and I don't remember the – I don't think it, the exact, you know, year and money value got released. But, um, yeah, but um, I, I honestly think he's going to go to the Yankees because they're going to try to talk him into it. And I'm he wants, to, he wants to play for New York. He wants to play for a big market team and not be overshadowed by the Cubs in Chicago. Um not to say that like the White Sox are a small market team, but they're they're going to be, you know, overshadowed by by the Cubs and, and the better team. Yeah, I think that the Yankees obviously they have they have the money to go for Machado. Um, they're and I'm, they're probably going to sign him if, in all honesty because because um they have they have a needed shortstop in Didi Gregorius. They can trade him at the deadline because he's expiring this year, um, or they can trade Miguel Andujar. Um, they they just signed Troy Tulowitzki, which is is not really affecting it at all. Um, and then for Bryce Harper, um, it's probably going to boil down to yeah to either the the White Sox, Phillies, or Dodgers. The Dodgers haven't actually made a formal offer yet, and I don't know if that's to do just with with the luxury tax trying to avoid. Um, so I think Harper is either going to the White Sox or the Phillies. He said before that he doesn't like the city of Philadelphia, but you know it. Who knows? Maybe if he gets more money, he'll be, you know, drawn to go there. And you know, he could also go to the White Sox, which is one of probably one of those two teams. And if he went, and you know, he'd be a obviously be a star, whatever team he went to, and he would bring relevance to. He would especially bring relevance to the White Sox if they did. Yeah. Well, uh, personally, I think that the reason Machado might go to the White Sox is because they have the money to spend, and uh, when Machado is turning thirty in the middle of his prime. That'll be right when all the White Sox prospects will be getting will getting good and will be actually able to make a push right when Machado is ready. And uh, they also uh, got his uh, 
I brother-in-law, which he said he won't change it, but you could always think that having family ties to a city could always help pull a player in. Yeah, for sure. And the reason why I don't think Harper or why Harper might not go to the Dodgers, even though a lot of people are saying he will, is because, yeah, they're, they're right near the luxury tax, even though they might, they might be able to afford it. I think uh, more realistically, they're going to go ahead and try to get um, A.J. Pollock. You know, he, He's a little bit less, more, more money. And just looking at the Dodgers lineup, they have a lot of lefties in there. And I don't know if they really care about it, but you know, they could balance righties and lefties and get a guy like Pollock. I think he would play probably very well as he's already used to the NL West and, and, you know, the Dodgers and everything. So I think AJ Pollock is definitely more of a, definitely more of a, of a, um, definitely more reasonable than Harper going there. Um, because yeah, just, just because of they're just because of the Dodgers needs right now. Yeah. Um, so do you think, you think Harper is going to either the Phillies or the White Sox, right? Yeah. I think if Machado goes to the Philly or if Machado goes to the White Sox, Harper's going to go to the Phillies, but yeah, Harper, I'm Harper pro, Harper's probably going to go to the Phillies either way because I think they're just going to, he's going to realize that it's it's probably a very good deal and he's going to, they're probably going to offer him a lot of money. And yeah. Um, yeah, I could, I could see the, the Phillies. I think that's, they have a lot of money and they really want to try and bring in a star player to help them push for the playoffs and not fall off in the last month of the season. Mm-hmm. And some other free agents that are, um, still out there right now, uh, Craig Kimbrell, as he's, you know, people have said that, or he has said that he wants like a hundred million dollar deal, but recently, you know, the, uh, the market ha- for him has actually been very low and he might be returning to the White Sox on a one year, or, or the White Sox, oh, yeah, the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox, my bad. On a, on a one year deal, um, because I don't think any team, especially you saw, uh, Wade Davis and his disaster contract with the Rockies and not, not saying he's not gonna have a turnaround year, but the, he did, he was not a good pitcher in in for the Rockies uh, 2018. So I don't think teams are going to want to go spend a bunch of money on a closer, especially when a closer can just fall off the cliff at, at any point. Um, so I, I'm thinking Craig Kimbrell's going to return to the, the Red Sox on like a very short-term deal, maybe one, maybe two years, but probably one year, at around eight million dollars or ten million dollars, something like that. And um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Wayne Davis didn't have that bad of the of the season. He didn't perform to expectations, but I still think that he pitchers like Davis and Kimbrell are going to be big as teams look for high velocity or strong pitchers to close out games as they make the push. So I think he could get a lot of money if he looks in the right places. Yeah. Uh, if it, if it, I, just don't, I just don't know what teams would be offering. Maybe the Braves, but I mean, I think there are other options on the free agent market, like Zach Britton, Adam, and Adam Ottavino. Yeah, Wade Davis had a 4.13 ERA and a 3.65 FIP, which aren't terrible numbers, but for a guy who's making how much is he making? He made 16 million dollars last year. I just I don't know if it's if a especially you know Craig Kimbrell was a little rocky during the postseason last year. I mean he wasn't ter- he wasn't like terrible, but it definitely wasn't he was definitely wasn't great. I, I just I don't think a team is going to give him a seven year 100 million dollar deal. But yeah, I, I oh God, what the heck. Uh, my bad. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Some other guys that are on the free agent market. I, you, oh wait. Hello. Well, uh, I just think that Kimbrel, he's worth the money just for how he uh, winds up before the pitch. I think he's worth the money just there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Kimbrel is obviously a very elite closer. I think he's leading the 
league in the saves since, like, 2013. Um, yeah, but I just don't know if a team is honestly going to go out and spend that much money, but it's possible. Some other yeah. top pitchers in the market, uh, Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez, both are free agents. Um, Keuchel, it, he's probably going to go to either to the Angels or some, uh, some other team. I don't know. There hasn't been a lot of word on it, but uh, I think Angels are the front runners for that. Gio Gonzalez, there's honestly been no word on it. I think um, uh, Benson's actually been saying he, he might go to he might go to the Pirates, and that would be a really good fit for them. But Joe might go to the Pirates or Keuchel. Uh, Gonzalez. Okay. But again, oh, then again, the Pirates don't really ever sign anyone, so who knows if that's ever going to happen. Um, looking at the actual depth of the major league class, um, major league um, creation class. There aren't like a lot of really um, high names. Though there are some guys like um, anyone left. There's you know, some guys like Mustakis, Jose Iglesias, and Marwin Gonzalez. Um, but if you look at it as a whole, there's no one that's really um, that's really like a superstar besides um, you know uh, Corbin uh, Machado and Harper. There is Yasmani Grandal too, who is you know the main catcher on the market. Catcher. So you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So uh, where, yeah, where do you think uh, yeah, where do you think Grandal is going to go? Because you know he was like the Dodgers' main catcher, but I don't know if they're going to keep him after that postseason. Yeah, well, um, when you said Yasmani, I started thinking about Tomas, so I was confused when you oh, said no, catcher. No. Oh no, God, no, <laughs> yeah, we don't want him. No, um, he's making so much money. But uh, Grandal, I think he's going to go to. Uh, I think he's going to go somewhere in the AL. I think that would, anywhere in the AL would be a good fit. Get away from the Dodgers and. Uh, I don't really know many teams that need catchers that are contending, so I think he might have to go to a uh, team that's not going to be great anytime soon. But I don't really know any teams that would be a really good fit for him. Yeah, there hasn't really been a lot of word on a lot of these guys. I mean, especially guys like um, like Jose Iglesias. He's one of the best shortstops in the league, and there's really honestly been, been no word on where he's going to go. Um it's, it's been a pretty slow off season, to be honest. Um, if if you were to pick anyone, any free agent right now um, that the D-backs should go after, um, who do you think that should be? Um, I don't really know. I don't know if they need to get anyone in the free agent class. There's a lot of a lot of their holes. Most of the players that are left are either way out of reach, or they're older players that are looking for contracts to keep them in the league for one or two more years. So uh, yeah. I think they're going to have to go after a center fielder maybe because they have their only major league center fielders on the roster right now are Socrates Brito and uh, I think Dyson. the other one, huh? Draw Dyson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I, that was the other guy. But I don't think any of them can be starters for a majority of the season, so I don't know which center fielder because a lot of them are older. They just need to go after an outfielder, I think, to fill in that spot. Yeah. If you really look at it, the, the, uh, there's not a lot of center fielders. Obviously, there's A.J. Pollock, who might return to the D-backs on a one-year deal. I can see that happening. Um, but, yeah, there's really – I mean, Adam Jones is, is also there, but I wouldn't really want Adam Jones. I think he's probably going to want too much money. Um, and then there's no one really – any other outfielders that could really play center field. Um, um, Chris Young's a – Chris Young is a uh, what's a free agent. He's older though, so that's probably not going to work. But bring him back for one or two years to end his career. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool if they give him like a spring training invite, see if he pans out. But I think they would want to yeah. try to give uh, your their young players some more development time. Um, and they probably yeah. will find a couple of relievers, some more low end relievers. 
Um, that's what they kind of always do. They always sign, you know, two or three guys to just fill out the bullpen. And, you know, last year they, yeah, last year they signed Fernando Salas, and I can't remember who else, but, yeah. Um, there's definitely going to be, be a lot of they guys. They traded gonna, for Boxberger for their traded, uh, yeah, bullpen Boxberger. last year. Oh, God. Yeah, I hope, and thank God he's not going to be on the team um, ne- next year yeah. because, yeah, they, they non-tendered him. Um, mm-hmm. We can talk about actually real quick. We have a couple minutes left. Who do you think is going to be the uh, opening day closer for the D-backs next year? Well, uh, if this was last year, I would have said it's a no-brainer. It's going to be Archie or Boxberger, but Boxberger is gone, and Archie Bradley had a rough second half to the season. He couldn't hold games down, and he just wasn't doing what Archie should be doing. And uh, I don't really think that they have a really good closer on their team right now. I yeah. I don't know who it could be. The only real guy you could – is Hirano because he's been a closer a lot in Japan and he was an elite closer and he did have a little of experience last year if I can just look up his stats real quick um, he was our rookie of the year last year because he was oh, our only yeah. rookie yeah the, the, the age 34 rookie but yeah he made it yeah or yeah where he had three saves last year you know because uh, I think it was late more later in the season but he did have a couple of bad games too but you know Hirano yeah he had a uh, where is it where, where's the stats Cannot find it. Yeah, we had a, we had a two point. He had a two point four four ERA, um, and you know he he was a very solid reliever. He was probably honestly our best reliever last year. Um, yeah, definitely. So, as we're gonna wrap the segment up, you know, uh, MLB free agency is moving slow, and yeah, and and uh, Harper Machado, uh, probably Harper's probably gonna go to the, the Dodgers or the Phillies, and I think Machado's uh, deciding between the White Sox and the Yankees, um, pretty much. Final thoughts, Chris? Well, I just think that this year's class was headlined by a few players in Corbin, Machado, and Harper. But other than that, there wasn't a ton of great – there's not a ton of great players that are in the class that are younger. And I think that that's going to make it so that more teams have money next year. Mm Hey guys, this is Max from over at the Ivy, and we hope that you'll tune in to our podcast at 9 Eastern Time and 8 Central Time on Sunday night. There we'll talk about Ryan Sandberg Hall of Fame comments and who we think will get in, who we won't, and why. Bryce Harper rumors where he will go, why he'd come to the Cubs, and why he wouldn't want to come to the Cubs. Also, another huge topic which leads to the Cubs is the bullpen. What needs to be focused on for the 2019 bullpen, what needs to be improved, and who are some names that we could potentially add to our team. And the last one is trade targets and possible extensions. So possibly Jason Hayward being traded, where Ben Zobers will be after 2018, is Chris Bryant going to be a free agent, and possibly other situations involving the Cubs. If you want to come watch, come listen at... 9 Eastern Time, 8 Central Time on Sunday night. All right. But moving on to our next segment here, uh, we're going to be talking about the MLB. This this, uh, this comes up a lot pretty much every year in the offseason is if the DH should be universalized. And if you guys don't know what the DH is, pretty sure everyone does. But, you know, in the AL, every team has, instead of a pitcher hitting, they have a designated hitter hitting, and they don't play any defense and all they do is hit. And in the National League doesn't have that. And 
the it was it was established in the American League in 1970, and all every, ever since then there's been a lot more offense, or not a lot more, but a decent amount more offense. Um, you know, in the AL because they have that one extra bat in the lineup, and you know, there's been a lot of people saying that the DH needs needs to go, uh, that the DH should be universalized into the National League because they would just make baseball more fun. So what, what do you think, Chris? Do you think it, it should go or do you think it, it should just be a NLAL thing? I think it should go. I, I don't really like the DH. I think that it I, – I think that it just isn't something that needs to be in this league or at either league. So I – yeah. So you're you're for the DH or you're against it? Oh, I'm I'm against the DH. Yeah, I, I'm I'm against the DH too, but if it, I would make somewhat sense if the MLB, you know, the MLB has been trying to make baseball more watchable, um, you know, um, ever since they you know, and they introduced the, uh, the the clock in between innings, and they uh, they've been trying the pitch clock and the minors, and you know, for the average baseball fan, um, you know, or just for the average sports fan, watching a pitcher bunt or strike out every time isn't as fun. Um, obviously, if you're more you know, in touch with baseball, you can understand it a little bit more, but, um, yeah, but if, if, if the, if Rob Manfred and everyone in the, in the front office is trying to get baseball to be more entertaining, I would, I think that at some point, probably sooner than later, the, later the DH is probably going to be universalized, which I would honestly be against because then you would, you would never get any moments like Bartolo Colon going yard or anything like that. Yeah. Um, or the, you know, it's just it's just those little the little things in baseball that make it you know that make it you know what it is. But I I could see it just as a business decision of of you know why they would want to have you know why they would want to have um, a DH being everywhere in the league. Well, I think that a uh, DH. I think that sometimes it uh, if unless there's someone on base, pitchers are definitely more interesting to watch watching them swing out of their shoes and. Uh, falling down in the box because they don't really know how to do much else. But I think that's definitely more uh, fun to watch, like players like Cologne when they swing. And uh, just I think that that I think they should just definitely keep pitchers hitting. Yeah, I think it's also, it's also good to have a little bit of a, a little bit of separation in between, you know, between the two leagues and not have them be the same thing, like, you know, and it's also fun to see, you know, a, a American League pitcher like someone like Chris Sale, who like never bats, and he goes to an NL stadium, and just get that one, the one rare bat. You know, it's it's just it's cool to see. It's cool to see that instead of just having a DH every time. And also, it just takes away, um, man, you know, any managerial tactics. Not all, but like a lot, because you, it's like, oh, do you pinch hit for a guy, or do you keep him in to save the bullpen, or you know, stuff like that. Um, Again, some more rule changes. People have discussed this, especially with its rising popularity uh, from the past few years, is, is banning the shift. And, you know, because the shift last year, it seemed that, like, almost, like, all the time, especially if, it, if, a, left, if a lefty was up, they would shift, uh, you know, one or maybe or even all of their infielders to the right side. Or, or even if a righty was up, they would put shade them all over to the left. And that was um, taking away action because – you know, it's obviously resulting in more outs because it's not going through the holes, or, or it's not going, it's not finding any holes anymore because, um, you know, because um, it, there's a lot more defenders there. So, do you think the shift should be banned, or do you think it should be regulated, or or do you think it should be left how it is? I I think it should be left how it is. I don't get why uh, 
it would be banned. I think it's just part of the game for over the years managers have realized that they need to shift so that if hitters that only pull the ball can't uh, get as many hits. And I think that if managers learn how to change their team, I think that hitters should be able to learn how to hit. And I know hitting isn't an easy thing to do, but I just think that it's just something that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. The thing is, well, a lot of coaches are saying to beat the shift, you shouldn't try to go the opposite way. You should try to hit it over. And that's the whole thing with launch angle and hitting home runs and stuff. But increasing launch angle increases strikeouts, which, you know, that, that takes away action. I was watching, um, actually, I think I was watching a, a YouTube video a little a while ago, and it said that the average break in between action and action in a game is just any ball that's hit and play. Is like it's four to five minutes, and if you're at a game or sitting on the couch and watching baseball, um, and if you're just the average you know sports fan, that that's pretty boring. So, um, one plausible explanation is that you would you ha- would have to have uh, two defenders on, the, on each side of second base, which obviously you can't just straight up ban the shift because it's like it's like where do you draw the line between a player being in position and being in the shift? It's like it's just too fine of a line. You can't really like, you know, you can't yeah you can't really regulate that but if you if you have two players on each side then that would allow for at least some sort of a shade but not full like a full shift and it would also increase action which which i think that's what a lot of these rule changes are um meant to do is just to reach out to the younger generation of baseball and you know make it make it and make baseball more fun and more like exciting because you know in my my opinion uh i think that a triple or something like that is actually more more exciting than a home run because you know, a home and a home run could just like obviously a home run is exciting, but you don't you don't flip the players and have to run and there's like it's not that long of of any of like of action like for, for a triple people are cheering the whole time, but you know a home run is just a home run, so I think that's what the whole that's what the whole uh, incentive behind the MLB is what that's what they're trying to do is that they're trying to make baseball more watchable. Yeah, I get that. I just don't think that it's something that I don't think the league should be regulating how players are on the field and how they're positioned. And I just think, I I don't get that. I don't get why they would need to get rid of it. Even if it did take away action, I I don't really know. Yeah. But, again, I, I don't know why. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to have a rule change because I think it's really hard to enforce, but they, it's definitely something that's been talked about. And at least people are discussing how it's an impact in the game because Pretty much now, people shift all the time, and there's some crazy shifts. I mean, if you ever seen, um, I think it was a, I think it was Joey Votto playing against the Cubs, and they had, they had like it was, it was like they had like four, uh, you know, they had only three infielders, and they were all on the right side, and they had four outfielders, and it was just stuff like that. You can't really like regulate that. You can't like say, oh, you have to have your first baseman in this in this general area, your second baseman here. It's not really regulatable because like, even if they they take a foot out, foot out, uh, like a step outside, umpires aren't they probably aren't going to be you know that like umpires probably aren't going to aren't penalize the team for that. There's just they have, don't really have a reason to. So yeah, I I think I think the shift is probably going to be here to stay for for a while. Yeah, and uh, shifts like um, when Joey Gallo was up to bat, I saw one. Uh, every single player was on the right side of the field except for the left fielder, and I just saw it like. It's kind of crazy how they can, how they've noticed and recognized how hitters hit, and they're analyzed them. So that's just some reason that 
I think it should definitely stay if they are committed enough to figure that out. Yeah. You, you can see it during games, too. Sometimes we'll put the overlay of where a uh, player hits the ball, like the percentages of all five sections of the field. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Alex Avila, and one of the five sections was like 40, 47%, and it was on the right side. And the, and the left side was like 2 and 3%. So basically, he never goes opposite field. And that's I think that's just the hitter's fault. Cause it's like, I, if, if you're already a major league player, I'm like, I don't know. Obviously, I, I don't play baseball, but or I, I don't really play baseball, or I don't really – obviously hitting is very hard, but if you're already a major league-level hitter, um, I don't know why a lot of these guys that pull the ball, like, all the time aren't trying to learn how to go opposite – how to go the opposite way at least sometimes because it could raise their batting average, obviously, by, like, a, a lot if they if they could figure out how to go out the opposite way. But then again, that that's – um, I guess maybe this – I don't know. There's I don't know why hitters don't try to go the other way a lot. Yeah, I I agree. I, hitters are in the major leagues, and hitting's most definitely the hardest thing to do, or one of the hardest things to do. And just all my coaches always said that it you need to learn how to hit at both sides because people learn how it's players that can only hit to one side unless they hit hit it uh, get a hit every time they're not as uh, sought after as mm-hmm. people that can hit it everywhere and. Uh, players are always preaching about how they uh, part of becoming an MLB player is being able to change and practicing every day and have it doing stuff to get better every day and I think half part of being prepared and getting ready is just uh, is learning how to hit to the other side. Yeah, players have to adapt um, because the game just changes over time and you know, it, it's changed a lot obviously since, you know, the 70s and 80s and 90s and even the 2000s, there's been there's new techniques being brought in, brought into play. Um, you know, especially there was the whole revolution after you know Moneyball and everything. Um, teams mm-hmm. were looking a lot more into into statistics instead of just you know like just like traditional stuff. Um, and yeah, players are gonna need to be, be able to adapt and and do anything instead of just just sticking by the by like the same way. And like you know, in the shift, because uh, if if some guys like like Alex Avila, if they, if they, if the shift was banned, I mean they're, they're they would be all stars every year because they get, they get, they would just get ground ball base hits like a lot of the time. Well, uh, Avila he has other problems than not being well, able to hit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I not uh, that was a bad example, but the, there there are a yeah. lot of there's other guys too. Avila um, has potential. He just I don't know. Yeah, and there's the other main rule change that they've been talking about. Um, I'm pretty sure it's already in place in AAA. Um, is that you know it's a start off extra innings? You put a guy at second with nobody out, and I think this is just honestly the stupidest rule ever. They're they're changing like, you know, doing the DH and everything. That 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 that's one thing. But when you actually change the game and how like, the, the fundamental rules are played, I mean that's just kind of a, I don't know. It's it, it's. It's 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 honestly I I don't I'm not, I'm not a fan of it at all when when they try to um when they're doing that and actually like changing the game because um you know I, guess, I think extra innings are a part of baseball and even if they it's if it's like insane like seven hour games like a, like sixteen innings or eighteen innings something like that and that's just a part of baseball and that just you know adds to, adds to its quirkiness and I don't think you can really baseball's not right baseball's the only untimed sport and I think that it gives it, it gives it that uniqueness uh. Other than maybe you know, like a basketball game or a football game, and you know they have overtime, but like 
that it ends pretty quickly. It's not going to be like, take like an extremely long time. Yeah, um, that rule where runners start on second, that's all of the minor leagues, I'm pretty sure. But I remember reading something. I don't know exactly what the situation was, but I think that they started with the runner on base and then uh, there was a bunch of errors. So they ended up losing the game because uh, I think there was like a no hitter maybe, but I'm not exactly sure. But I think that they lost the game because they changed the rule to add a runner on second. And I just don't think that changing the entire way that the game is played is in the extra innings is really a good idea. Yeah. If you think about it, uh, we're going to wrap this up real quick. All you should do in extra innings, say if a team doesn't score in the top of the 10th, all you have to do is bunt the guy over to third and then just get like a little ground ball or a sack fly. And then that, that's yeah. the game. It's not really mm-hmm. like, it just, it just removes a lot of skill from it. And I know that like, I mean, I would rather have, I, I wouldn't rather, this is, this is like a hypothetical, this is like an exaggeration, but I'd rather see ties than seeing short and extra innings, like having a guy at second. Um, because I think yeah, extra innings are just, you know, a part of baseball. I agree. Mhm. All right. Uh we're gonna go to an, go to uh, advertising here real quick as we uh are gonna shift into our final segment. Hello everyone. This is Nick from the Mullins Catch Podcast. Please make sure to tune in to our first episode on January 7, 2019. We will be discussing many topics such as the Marlins' new logo, changes to Marlins Park, the naming rights, trades, free agency signings, players who were cut in the offseason, 2019 MLB draft, 2019 MLB prospects that are on the Marlins, and the TV deal. This will be all found on Blog Talk Radio, and we have so many more. On the first episode, we will be talking about 2018 in review, our record on where we stand, what our potential signings will be at the fourth overall pick, and the attendance rating. Please make sure on January 7, 2019, to please tune into our first episode. You do not want to miss it. Thank you, guys. This is Nick from the Marlins Catch Podcast, and have a good day. All right, final segment of the show. We're going to be talking about the D-backs' holes in the roster and how you know the, the lineup's going to look. How the lineup's going to look, you know, in a for 2019. So obviously, the, the biggest hole in the roster right now is the outfield, uh, more specifically center field. After AJ Pollock is probably going to leave, it's not set in stone, but um, is, you know, um, but yeah, he's probably going to leave. The D-backs are going to going to be looking for a new center fielder. And obviously they have guys like Gerard Dyson and Socrates Brito, but none of them. Brito's not really a center fielder in in like his glove's not really a center fielder glove, and uh, and Gerard Dyson just basically has no bat. So, Chris, where where do you, what do you think we should do in uh, in center field? I think that we need to either sign somebody that's gonna be able to play center field every and split time with Dyson and Brito. We also another option we have is a. Uh, we signed Matt Caesar to a minor league deal, and I think we might be able to. He might be able to play center. But uh, one other interesting idea I saw was uh, Marte can play center, so we could also move Catal Marte. Yeah, because Marte, I think Marte played some center field. I mean, check real quick. I think Marte might have played some center field in Seattle, and he's definitely got the the range and speed to play center field. Um, yeah, he played. Um, if I can just check how many games he played in center. And, yeah, he, uh, he played 14 innings in center field back in 2015, so he's definitely got some experience. 
But one problem with doing that is uh, definitely we'd have to shift pretty much the entire infield over one spot to the right just to keep them in positions where they're happy playing and they're able to play. Yeah. Well, what we could do is just platoon guys like like uh, Dyson, uh, Brito, and Marte in center field, and then the rest of the time when Dyson and Brito are playing, um, you have Marte at second and then just the regular thing. Um, or what you could do if you're playing Marte in center field, you move Eduardo Escobar to second, um, you keep Ahmed at short, and then move Lamb to third and Christian Walker at first. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably be against lefties, but I don't know how Lavelle is going to um, structure it. And again, you know, offseason is not over. There, there's still stuff they can do. Um, they can make trades. They can sign guys. You know, they could sign a guy. Um, let me just check over some free agents that might be able to play center field. Um, um, you know, most oh, of the free agents are older, and they'd be veterans that probably couldn't be. They could play center field all year, but they probably they're not as ready, and they shouldn't be. If you get what I mean, they're yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, there are some guys like I mean, Mar- Marwin Gonzalez, but he's probably going to want to go to a like a contending team, and he's, I think he wants a lot of money. And there, and there are some, you know, veterans we can sign, like Austin Jackson, and then there's, you know, John Jay if we want to bring him back. Um, but then again, you know, there's there's a there's definitely not a lot of room. Uh, there's definitely not a lot of players that can play center field. And uh, my my case has already said that Marte is going to get some reps in center field during practice. But okay, and uh, we're, we have a caller right here, uh, Joel from Arizona. He's wanted to talk to us and ask a question. Uh, Let's bring him on. What up? How's it going? Hi. Thanks for that shirt, by the way. Oh, no problem. Cool. Yeah, that, that was my giveaway. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what kind of what question do you want to ask us? Well, um, back to like the the like a, the whole like because baseball is like for entertainment, you know, like it's it's a business, mm-hmm. and it's. it's it's like maybe like for the for the um DL for the all the other for like the AL I mean the NL to get the DL like that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a bad thing like I I would think that it would be it'd be pretty good just for like cuz cuz most of the time like the, the pitcher he just he strikes out or bunts like their their position is majority like they they work on all their life it's just for for pitching i'm you could make like the argument that like yeah they can hit some of them can but like at, at the end of the day it's just like it's 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 a game for entertainment and they don't special specialize in hitting really like why why give give the opportunity to the guys that like work hard at hitting and all that yeah. Then again, I, I we've talked about this already, but yeah, the MLB is a, obviously a business, and I think that it could be coming sooner than later. Later, I would obviously prefer to just have pitchers, you know, uh, bad because I think it just adds more depth to the game. But I wouldn't be disappointed, and I understand why they would want to have a DH, um, and you know, it's make it universalized, and I think it would be more exciting for fans because there'd be more offense, um, and you know, and who and uh. Yeah, and it is more boring to see a pitcher just bunch or strike out all the time. But then again, you are eliminating the one in a million. You know, I was at the game where Taiwan Walker went yard. Um, I think that was, that was the shirt I gave you, right? 
Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I won know. that game from a from a t-shirt. I won that shirt from a t-shirt toss at the at that game where Taiwan Walker went. Oh, had like really? a home, yeah, he had like a four hundred foot fifty foot home run. It was it was insane. And you're just limiting that that like one in a million chance or where uh. Pitcher can go yard. Yeah, yeah, I I get what you mean by it's a business and that it's more entertaining for them to uh, not to to not have the pitchers hit and to add a DH. But I kind of don't really. I think that it would be better if they just kept the pitchers in, and uh, because it adds another level of strategy and it's entertaining to fans that really understand what's going on. If they can see that if they can try and figure out what the manager is going to do or when they're going to take their pitcher out. And I just think that that's something that they need to consider too. Yeah. And I don't really like despise it, but like just for MLB's sake, like, cause they're not, they're not the top like sport entertainment thing at all like the NBA and all that they, the NFL's got them by like yards and shit like so I don't yeah. I like I, I would say just to at least like it does make it really nice and like like that that special hit by that one pitcher but at the end of the road like it's it's really for entertainment you know and like having specialized people that hit constantly I feel like that's just and I and I like the pitchers like like when um Buckles hit that one single oh that was that was a pretty special mo- moment but like mm-hmm. I, it 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 gives you it's more sat- it's satisfying when they finally get a hit but like like might as well get might as well get like specialized people to hit you know like yeah and that's kind of what some of the some of the more notable players from the last you know from the last you know 10 15 years um Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz you know their their careers were based solely on hitting they pretty much never played any any like actual defense um and i think i think that will be cuz the MLB they're, they're pretty much just trying to reach to the the younger audience and they're trying to reach to uh and they're trying to reach the kids because I, I don't know a lot of like kids that other than people that play baseball that are actually fans of baseball besides myself. A lot of them are you know foot, they're fan, fans of football or you know are college uh, college sports or um, or mainly the NBA. The NBA is is really what the uh, the NBA is really what what kids are you know interested in. Um, and the answer to that is it's more of the culture thing. And and that's something else that MLE players there's this sort of this taboo that they you know they're, they're, they can't. Um, they can't like be showy or, or anything like that. Like you know, guys like Manny Machado, that kind of have, like an attitude, or or Yasiel Puig, they're kind of looked down upon. And if they, if they were like the NBA and, and NFL, no one would really care at all. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's another thing. Like there's just like the stereotype that baseball players have to just keep their head down and, and you know just and just and just go out there and work. Um, I think if they if they could you know get more active on social media and and you just get I watched a like a like a hour long video about uh, with, with Alex Rodriguez and a couple of some more, more. Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, too. Saw yeah. It. It's okay. like they all need to like make their own, yeah. their own brand and stuff. It's like, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, guys like Alex Bregman are becoming a lot more popular, even though that he's not like the best player, best third baseman. They're obviously a lot better. Almost, I mean, there are like more popular. I think there's better guys. Like I would say Jose Ramirez is better than him, but, He's obviously Alex Bregman is, is a lot more popular. He's got his own YouTube channel now. 
and he's just mm-hmm. more active on social media, and he's more marketable um, because he just has that like has that you know bright personality. Him and fans love to see that, and you know, I think kids are gonna can be more you know of, of a fan. Kids don't really understand like the, the stats of baseball. They don't have to under like I think you know NBA is a lot. It's a lot the stats are a lot more simple. Like you know, just like points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game. But you know, baseball, you have yeah. all these advanced stats. You know, average OPS, slugging, and then you have like, WAR, um, ERA, FIP, and everything like that. I think I think kids just are getting more attracted to you know just the way a player plays and the personality of everything. Yeah, it sucks though how like the NBA like it's the most most um, viewed sport or whatever. Even though like, well, I don't know. It's just like up to. Um, and so I don't know like the stats and all that, but it does suck. Like, and then when you got an amazing score like the MLB, but just not not much people get attracted to it. It's, it's mm-hmm. but yeah. All right. Well, um, Joel, thank you for your time on the show. Um, it w- it was fun. Okay. Uh, and uh, if you want to call in in future episodes, you can. So th- thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. And um, thank you to Joel because he was our first caller to the podcast this year. And yeah, he's the first caller. So again, if you guys want to call in, obviously we don't have any, uh, much time left in this episode. But if you ever want to call in, the number—if I can just scroll up and find it real quick—where is it? Um, I think the number changes every podcast. Oh, I think it changes every podcast, but or does it? I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Number we'll, is we'll eight four five two seven seven nine three four five. It's eight four five two seven seven nine three four five. If you guys ever want to get in touch with us, okay. Um. Yeah. So anyway, I think we got um we got like a couple uh, we got like another minute here real quick. Um. Yeah. So I, w- I just want to thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of of R- the Rattle Up Podcast. I think it's going to be. Pretty fun. We got some big things planned ahead. You know, maybe maybe even bringing on some uh, some actual baseball players that may or may not be in the top 100 of the of the MLB top prospects. But you know, you know, we got some stuff planned for the future, and I think it's gonna be really fun. Especially you know when when the when the season starts heating up. You know, around spring training, and everything. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty it's gonna be pretty fun then. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this podcast and this year with this with you, and uh, I think that this is going to be a, a a great show, and we have lots and lots planned. So uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in, and uh, I just wanted to say one more thing. It's uh, Eduardo Escobar's birthday tomorrow, and we were talking about him. So uh, happy birthday to him, and uh, yeah, see you guys. See ya. Rattle Up is produced by Benson Fector. Rattle Up is a Baseball Podcast Network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Chris Sumner at Chris underscore Sumner 710, and Blake Warner at Everything D-backs. Be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all our social media platforms as well. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D- CAS1. 
SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network, and YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.